really good to be together and to dig into God's Word together. I have closed the door. I'm sorry, it was getting a bit cold. We were getting excited, weren't we? We were in February. We were seeing the sun coming in. We were like, come on, fling wide the gates. And then we realised it's still a bit chilly, isn't it? But um, (laughs) we will get there. It's the heart that matters. And as we come to God's Word this morning, we want to get the heart of what God is saying to us in this great passage. So much in it. And I really encourage you to dig into it in your life groups this week to read these verses again of chapter 6 and maybe chapter 7 as well. I'm going to click on the screen and see, is my PowerPoint there? Thank you, David. There it is. We're still in the letter of Romans, this glorious letter, this weighty, meaty letter uh, to the church in Rome. And we've been on a journey and here we are going up our mountain Uh, we've started off looking at what it means to have confidence in the gospel, and then we went down into that valley of sin, being reminded of who we are in our sinful nature. But then we were climbed up to the crux of salvation, and then we have been brought to a place of peace two weeks ago, where we paused and we thank God for his goodness and his nearness and his promise of peace. And today, as you can see, we're climbing on up. We're in Chapters 6 and 7, looking at freedom this morning. And Paul has ended chapter 5 with these words in verse 20. The law was brought in so that trespass may increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we've been reminded in all that we've read so far in Paul's letter to this house church in Rome that salvation is a completely secure in Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love, love of God. It's not about how good I am, but about Christ's righteousness. Jesus has brought peace through his death and resurrection. This is the good news of the gospel today. Yet, Paul knows as they hear these words of grace, we can hear them in a slightly distorted view as well. Maybe they heard that word, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Aha, we suddenly think, I know where this is going. Uh, Sin increases, grace increases. We could suddenly think this. Salvation by grace equals, hey, we've got permission to sin. We can do what we like. Not at all. Paul is even blunter in verse verse 1 of chapter 6. He says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He's almost incredulous, isn't he, as he says it. By no means, he says, by no means. Other translations say, certainly not. No, not at all, says the NLT version. J.B. Phillips, a commentator on the New Testament, says, what a ghastly thought. I love that. You can hear the Victorian tones there. What a ghastly thought, I should probably say. It's shocking. It's absurd. We can't see that having more grace equals, well, we have more permission to sin. Ridiculous. You probably know this story well. The story that Jesus told. The story of a young son asking for his father's share of the inheritance, taking the money early and leaving his father 
going off to a new land, seeking his fame, his fortune, his wealth, until the money runs out. And he's there with the pigs, isn't he? And his belly is rumbling. And he has a moment of revelation, a moment of repentance, where he decides to go back to his father, offering to be a servant. And I love this image. You can just see, just see him in the distance there, the boy coming home to his dad. And where's dad? Dad's there with his arms wide. He's been waiting. He says, son, come, come. And he hugs him and he kisses him. He puts a robe on him and a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. They kill the fatted calf and they have a party. What a moment of grace. What a moment of love and forgiveness. And this is what happens for each and every one of us when we say yes to Jesus and we turn from our life of sin and we say, Jesus, I love you and I trust you. We get that hug and embrace from God the Father. Yet imagine... This story continues. Imagine this young man is at home and he's been working in the fields again and life is kind of getting a bit humdrum and life is settling down and it's okay. He's getting on all right with his older brother. But he remembers, maybe with a slightly wistful, happy, slightly sigh, the time when he came running up the road and he saw his father. And he thinks to himself, yeah... Suppose I just go and do that again? Why not go and just help myself to a few things, provide for myself, put a bit of money in my pocket, gather a few things together? Maybe I'll just run off for a few more weeks, live as I want, and then come back and receive forgiveness again? Maybe uh, the Father will welcome me again and I can have another party. Not at all. Not at all, says Paul. It's ridiculous, isn't it? You can hear it in that story. Why would we ever want to go off again when we've been embraced by our loving Father? Why would we ever want to go off again? Not at all, says Paul. He says these words. He says these words. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We've received all the gifts of God's grace. We have a new identity in Christ, which brings freedom from sin. As Paul says, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So this morning, just briefly, I want to explore two points. The first is that this freedom that we were speaking about earlier, the freedom that is the reality of who we are in Christ. And the second point is, in this freedom, how do we live it? How do we live in the reality of being in Christ Christians. So the first point is this reality of who we are in Christ. I want us to think for a moment about who we are theologically. I want us to engage our brains in this. This is a head matter, and then we'll come on to the heart in a minute. Knowing who we are in God and his promises, knowing the truth of what God has done for us, changes things. As Jesus writes in John eight thirty two then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Isn't that amazing? That the truth of Jesus sets us free. Knowing who we are in Jesus brings freedom. Paul wants this church in Rome and for us today to know who we are. 
When I was a, a teacher in primary school, we did some training called Solution Focused Coaching. And it sounds very, ooh, a bit strange. It was American, um, but it was good. It was really good. Some of the best training I'd ever had. And what it did was it basically helped children and it helped adults and families think about what they want their future to look like. And instead of going, well, let's just sort out all the past, let's dig out everything, let's bring up all of that stuff again. No, let's start from today. Let's think about this blue sky moment, what our future could look like. But let's start with what's going well. Let's start with the truth of today and build on that. I saw such a change in young people. I saw a change in myself as I went, okay, what's the things I do really well? Let's do more of those things. And almost, it's the same in this passage here. The point is, as Christians, we can slip back into, oh, thinking, oh, I've got to earn my salvation. I've got to do things better. I've got to be more holy. I've got to be more like that person. And then I'll be more sorted. Then God will love me. No, not at all. Rubbish, says Paul. Instead, we need to recognize that Jesus has already done the miracle in our lives. He is the one who's brought us in relationship with Father God. Once we start building on these truths, these realities, then we change. I would love us this morning to shift in our thinking. We can change in our theology. We can grow in our thinking of God. God is so much bigger. God is so much more. Paul gives more reasons. He says, shall we go on sinning? Not at all. Not at all. Listen to who we are in Christ. Listen to these words. Allow these words to start to change who we are today. Just put a picture of baptism there. That's lovely, goonized baptism. It's a bit blurry off the video, but a great reminder. And Paul uses this image of baptism to tell us who we are in Christ. This great symbol, this great life-changing moment of baptism says these words, don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in an order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. A Christian has been immersed into Christ Jesus, into his death, his burial, and then his resurrection. Think about that symbol of baptism for a moment. As you go down into the water, symbolising dying with Christ, dying to your old self. Then that moment of bursting out of the water, I always love that moment. The joy on people's faces, that joy of coming alive in Christ, coming out the water, coming out the grave, bursting forth with life. The image of resurrection, alive in Christ. As Paul says, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. We are new creations this morning. We are not our old selves. Baptism signifies that we are united, it says in verse 5. We are joined to Christ. We are a new creation because of Jesus We've, been, we are, we've died, we've been buried, and we're resurrected again. This is the truth for you and for me today, if we've put our trust and our hope in Jesus. So Paul's first point about freedom and identity is that when we become a Christian, we've moved from one type of humanity to another. 
you and I should never think of ourselves as our old selves, our old mode of doing life. We are in Christ. We are in him. We have died and rose again with Jesus, our Messiah. Isn't this good news this morning? It's good stuff. Paul goes on to say more, and there's so much more. This passage is rich, and I encourage you to keep digging into it. He says these words, For if we've been united with him in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Great words again. Did you hear that? Did you hear those words? For we know that our old self was crucified with him. We are no longer slaves to sin. Our old self is crucified with Christ. We've been set free with him. I belong to God. You belong to God this morning. I am in Christ. You are in Christ. I am united with him. Planted, rooted into Jesus. This is good news for each and every one of us. And notice that it's for all people. Verse 7, it says, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Sometimes we can think, well, I don't feel very alive in Christ today. I still feel quite dead. But it's not who you are. That is not the truth of the matter. It is for anyone. It's for all. All of us are alive in Christ when we put our trust and our hope in Jesus. Then if you've ever had someone point out when you've been eating some food and um, you get a bit of food stuck in your teeth, you know, where someone goes, oh, you just, just got a bit of spinach there. Have you ever had those moments? I quite often get that. Oh, you've got a little bit of spinach there. And they go, oh, yeah, thanks. And sort yourself out and you kind of move on and keep eating and sort it out. Hopefully it's a kind friend that points it out to you. And this is what Paul is kindly doing. He is pointing out to us these truths. He said, look, you're a new creation. You're alive in Christ. This is who you are. This is who you are right now. We can be unaware sometimes of who we are in Jesus. Paul is reminding us today of our identity, the freedom that we have in Christ, that we are united with him. We have died to sin and been raised to life in him whether we realise it or not. I hope and pray today that we are reminded again of who we are. Galatians 2 says the same sort of thing. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer Mark Bailey that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Maybe you could fill your name in there. It's no longer but Christ that lives in me. We need to be constantly reminded of who we are in Christ. Our identity is in him. The freedom we have received. We are no longer slaves to sin. So just think for a moment. What does it mean to you and to me today to know that you have died with Christ? That your old life has been nailed to the cross with Jesus? What does that mean? mean to you and me today? And how does this change transform how we see ourselves? I love you as you go today. 
And I have got one more point that I'd love you as you go to take one of these verses. I used to use these quite a lot at Lee Abbey with young people and with adults, and it's loads of little statements. You won't be able to read it off the screen, but there's some cut out on the side. These who am I in Christ statements, reminders of I'm God's child, I'm a friend of Christ, I've been justified, I cannot be separated from the love of God. Stick these by your keys when you walk out the door in the morning. Put them on your mirror. Put them wherever you make your, ke- or make your cup of tea in the morning. Remind yourself daily of who you are in Christ, who I am in Christ, and take one with you as you go. And just briefly, my second point. Now that we know who we are in Christ, how do we start living the reality of who we are in Christ. It's all very well going, oh yeah, I know that stuff, Mark, I know it. How does it move to here? How does it move to my body? How does it move to how I live tomorrow? How does the transforming work of God change my life? Having heard these things, and being dead to our old self and alive in Jesus, now we can look at how we live in freedom In other words, how do we live in the light of this truth? So Paul says again in verse 11, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any parts of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Being dead to sin and raised to life doesn't mean we can't sin anymore. (laughs) I wish it did. Let me be honest here. I don't always live as though I'm free from sin can get stuck in patterns of behaviour that causes me to sin. I can get trapped in cycles. And I need to remember, again, who I am in Christ. That I am free. I'm not a slave to sin. It's easy for all of us to slip back into old ways, like the prodigal son who wants to go back again. That's why we constantly need reminding of who we are. We have died to sin but we can still offer the parts of our bodies to sin. We're living in the tension, aren't we? In the reality between, between the now, but not yet, of God's kingdom. Humans, by very nature, sin. And often those sins can be clumped into three main areas. One of the first lectures I had when I went up to Bristol Baptist College, starting out as a minister, they went, watch out for yourself. Watch out for the traps and the sins of money, Sex and power. Money, sex and power. And that was one of the first. (laughs) Oh, welcome. Brilliant. Straight in. Thanks for that. But actually, that's where lots of ministers get snuck and trapped and caught in money, sex and power. We need to look after each other. As Christians, it will be the same, isn't it? We're no different as ministers. But we can get caught in money, sex and power. Be aware of the human nature. We're in this tension of... We, are in the, we have a nature of humans that sin, but we are believers in Jesus, and by their new nature, do not sin. See the tension here. Humans, by nature, Paul is saying, 
we are a slave to something. As believers, we are still slaves, but we're not slaves to sin anymore. Now we have been set free from sin, it says in verse 22, and we become slaves to God. We have this choice in our life. As believers, we've chosen to follow Jesus, to walk his ways, to be obedient to God, to be led by his spirit. We are choosing to take up his cross and follow him, to lay down my sinful ways and become enslaved and obedient to Jesus. Sin is no longer our master, because you're not under law, you are under grace. We are slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I could tell you lots of stories of people that I've seen lives transformed. I've sat with friends who have been drug addicts, and they've been on a journey and God has saved them he's met with them and he's transformed their lives and we go wow those stories of freedom and transformation are amazing but I also think the slow everyday transformation of Jesus is amazing too think back over your own life think about what you were like think about when you first met Jesus think about the change in your life I hope you can see it I'm sure you can the transformation that happens day by day We can be fooled by thinking our life is just going round in circles, getting closer to God, sinning, messing up, going round again, sinning, messing up. I don't believe that. I believe that we are drawn nearer to Jesus. It's more like an upward spiral. Yes, I'm going to get things wrong. Yes, I'm going to sin. Yes, the Lord welcomes me back. But he calls me nearer and nearer to him. I am transformed as I spend time with Jesus, as I seek him, as I know who I am in Christ. I am changed. I am transformed. So I pray today that we would know the transforming power of knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin and alive to him. Andrew Ollerton, who writes this theory, suggests that whenever we're tempted by sin, we should affirm this truth. And these are the words. I'm going to say them out loud. And if you want to say them out loud in a minute, you can. It's up to you. He says these words, declaring who he is. And I love this. I have been crucified with Christ. I don't have to do this. It's not me anymore. I'm free to live a new life. If you want to, we can say that together. Should we go for it? I have been crucified with Christ. I don't have to do this. It's not me anymore. I'm free to live a new life. That is the power of what Jesus has done in our lives. He has broken this curse of sin over our lives. We are free. We are free indeed. We are new creations. So as I finish, I just want to share a few thoughts for us today. Jesus offers us freedom. Freedom from sin and a transformation in him as we remind ourselves daily of who we are in Christ. We are alive in him. We are children of God. That is who we are. We just sung it earlier, didn't we? So I'd love us to keep devoting ourselves with our heart and soul to the Lord. Keep seeking him. Keep knowing him. Getting closer to Jesus as we journey with him. I'm going to invite the band just to come come and help lead us in a moment. And um, I'm just going to pause and be still. And then I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask us to stand. And I want to pray a few things over us in a moment. But... Let's just pause and be still. Maybe you've been struck by some of those words about who you are in Christ. Maybe you've been made aware of 
the patterns and the cycles of sin that we each can get stuck and trapped in. Just know that the Lord is offering grace and freedom and life today. Could I ask you to stand if you're able? I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Maybe you want to just show in your body, show in who you are, that you're open to the Lord speaking to you this morning. Maybe you want to hold your hands open just as a sign. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and just remind us of that identity that we have in Christ, who we are in Jesus. So whether we recognise it or not today, we are believers of Jesus. We are children of God. We are born again. We are set free. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are alive in you, Jesus. Just pray, come Holy Spirit, and just transform our heads, that head knowledge of who we are in you, Lord. Transform our hearts. May we live as children of God, I pray. Because that is who we are. Receive your grace. That tsunami of grace, the unending love and grace that you give to us. We receive it now. We also sense there's maybe someone here this morning who doesn't yet know Jesus, hasn't, as it were, turned and come back to the Father who's waiting with loving arms to receive and to hug and to kiss and to welcome in. Know this morning the Father says, you are welcome. You are loved. Come to me. Come to me. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you. Would you say yes to Jesus this morning? But let's all say yes to Jesus as we continue to sing together. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Make this a prayer this morning. Make this a prayer as we come to a close this morning. Lord, I don't want to carry on in the same way. I'm, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. And if you know that you're someone who just like, Lord, I want to help. I want to help for my friends, for my brothers and sisters to, to stand and to, to not get caught in patterns of sin that just pull me down. Lord, I want to live for you. Then come. Come and be prayed for this morning. We'd love to pray with you and bless you and just say, yeah, go for it. We want to be free to live as God has called us to be, as his children. So let's sing this really as a prayer from our heart this morning. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're children of God. Let's sing together.